I get upset that I get blocked. <laughs> it's like you told all this about connecting with the feelings and sitting with them and working through them, but how do you do that if there isn't a feeling? Every accomplishment I had, it was it was getting me further, but it was always it always had that tag attached. That, but you didn't do that. You didn't make other people act better. It's a picture of little me wearing jewelry and crying. I didn't know what was happening inside their minds. I didn't know how to help. I thought I wouldn't want anything else. The rest of my life, that could be fixed. I was willing to go through everything to fix it. What came up was joy. I didn't expect to find it, but it was there. I don't need to go crazy looking for answers when they're already there. I am Emily Eldridge, and this is Dark Light Truth, where we dive into people's darkness, reclaim their light, and reveal their truth. What you are about to hear is a real person going through an actual session of the drawing out process, my seven-step emotional healing technique in which we draw out, talk with, and fully heal an inner part or parts at the core of a person's struggle. Every session is filled with surprises, epiphanies, twists, and turns. We never know what we will encounter, nor who. Inner critics, crying children, angry walls, gruesome monsters, it all depends on the world that formed within the person in reaction to their life experiences, as well as what their inner wisdom deems is ready to heal once and for all. Join us as we solve inner mysteries, heal inner struggles, discover incredible wisdom, and guide this person back to the wisdom, light, and truth within them so that they can fully live that truth, light up, and light up our world. Listen closely, because you never know, hearing them heal and light up just might help you heal and light up too. Join me now for my session with a lovely Indian woman named Charu. What you will hear is an edited version of our full four-hour session, which she volunteered to record for this podcast. Let's listen as she describes her struggle with feeling terribly, intensely blocked, both in terms of her productivity, but also in terms of her emotions. And as you listen to her struggle, you might consider the times when you felt blocked and wonder, hmm, I wonder what caused those. For now, though, let's start to dive into her darkness and find out what's the culprit? Who is it, the part of her, that is causing this intense inner blockage? We'll soon find that the culprit is not who we think it is at first, but someone else much further down. By the way, if I sound a bit congested in this session, that's because I was just a little bit under the weather when we recorded it. One of the things that happens sometimes, I, I get upset that I get blocked. <laughs> it's like that'd be the third arrow of the problem. <laughs> 
luck makes it super hard to work on anything because you told all this about connecting with the feelings and sitting with them and working through them but how do you do that if there isn't a feeling for many years growing up my inner voice was very very critical there was a lot of shame um a lot of it was self inflicted and i think that there's definitely some roots from there which is why the blocking is showing up now when i'm much older because i think it comes up now when it seems like anything might go in that direction that i might be doing something which is painful or risky or hard or even sometimes if it's something i want to do like let's say i plan this big creative project that i'm very excited about um i'll head towards doing it or set aside time for doing it and then my feelings will get blocked and i won't i won't feel that excitement anymore and that hurts that hurts so much later on and then i have to wait for variable amounts of time for it to for it to change and how it changes i don't really know or understand or control and try to work with it as a procrastination problem but it became more unexplainable as the go getter phase was ending <laughs> mm. and that was right before some big changes in my life when i moved abroad for the first time stayed away from my home and family and soon after the pandemic came as well so it just it got worse and worse did something happen when you were abroad it was emotionally intense for sure going abroad i was okay definitely carrying a lot of negative feelings when i first went and i went determined to prove myself even more but eventually i burned that's when the symptoms in my body began showing up it was at its worst when in my body at least um i couldn't sit up for more than an hour without wanting to lie down mm. i couldn't turn my neck without discomfort i couldn't carry light backpacks because they left me in pain for 3 days afterwards mm. it didn't matter if i figured out solutions to the problems that it created to be blocked because they just became new blocks to deal with and a lot of what i thought i could do potentially had to stop because i just didn't have the capacity anymore and it wasn't it wasn't something i could easily explain to people and you can never tell someone oh i didn't do it because i didn't have the mood to do it <laughs> that makes me very unreliable to myself and to other people and that's not who i want to be and yeah. then if i'm not careful the, the inner critic will pop up later and be really harsh and tell me you're a, you're an idiot you're you're not capable you're incompetent something is wrong with you all those nasty things our critics can say many years ago i think back when i was still really in my go getter phase in a way uh-huh. this happened fairly rarely uh. you know what's weird though at the time that was the time when nino critic was pretty loud that same go getter phase in fact oh interesting so it was effortless in the sense that i could do it and i could rely on myself to do it but mm. it wasn't painless it was doing well but still being shamed which i know now was very harmful 
but it, it worked it, it, in a sense. It wasn't a good thing, but it worked. It's not going to work again now. <laughs> I'm not that person. So here we've heard Sharu describe this struggle she has with feeling blocked and also the fact that there's a physical component to this as well, physical pain that she suffers from. Meanwhile, she used to be a real go-getter. So this is incredibly distressing for her because she's so used to being highly productive and highly successful and being able to meet her deadlines and be super responsible with her schoolwork. But now it's completely different and it's like there's nothing she can do to fix this. We've also learned that this feeling block really coincides with when she first went abroad and she was away from her family and it was during the pandemic. She does mention past struggles with an inner critic. And this is crucial because inner critics are often the parts that will cause these kinds of feelings of feeling blocked, of feeling held back, unable to move forward, unable to function as we normally do. But at the same time, she makes it sound as though, no, it's not really the inner critic that's causing the problem. But you know what? Nevertheless, I figure she's brought it up. So let me just investigate this further. So that's what we start to do. And as she starts to share the history that she has with this inner critic, we find out when it originated. And also she starts to get an image, which will ultimately lead us deeper into discovering the actual culprit that's at the core of her feeling intensely blocked, unable to move forward. I think the worst of what it said was, you aren't human, you don't deserve to be here. Okay, I, I know this is probably painful. Could you write that down, please? You sure. You aren't human, you don't deserve to be here. There was something then that I didn't manage to do which was never in my control to fix. But my mind kept insisting that, that was the most important thing. And because I hadn't managed to do that, I wasn't good enough. So every accomplishment I had, it was, it was getting me further, but it was always, it always had that tag attached that, but you didn't do that. You didn't make other people act better. Quite frankly, my critic expected me to be some sort of superhuman. <laughs> and it actually used the words, why aren't you superhuman? When was the first time you remember hearing that inner critic or feeling that way? Definitely when I was very young. When you were very young, okay. I would, I would guess before the age of 10, but I'm not very sure. Okay. One thing that happened many times comes to mind right now. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of those times I would cry alone. I oh. would lock myself in my room and cry there. And kind of talk myself through what was, what was happening or how I was feeling. Mm. And that's when things like these would come up. You know, a child would think something like a Oh, there must be a divine factory line up there of human beings who come down. <laughs> and you must be the defective one. Oh, wow. It was very, very harsh for a child to think. And it would always be alone. So that scene, you could say, happened many times. In the same room, 
every time. Sometimes I'd be escaping things happening in other parts of the house and I'd choose to leave that and feel my feelings. There wasn't much point to sharing them with the people around me because I don't think they knew what to do with them. As I know now, they didn't know how to hold space for it. Yeah. I told myself I shouldn't burden them with my feelings. I shouldn't add uh-huh. to their problems. Yeah. And they were dealing with so much. I could see that. I could mm-hmm. feel it. Why would I add to it? So what do you think that inner critic was trying to do, that voice, <clears throat> by telling you those things? Right now, I think it was trying to tell me that something very simple, it can't go on like this. And the thing is, I see now it was wrong. It did go on for years. We all got through it somehow. But you know how it feels when you have a strong feeling that this is all that ever will be, that, mm-hmm. that this is it. This one feeling just kind of swallows up all your awareness. Mm-hmm. It was that kind of feeling with the big feelings. And the critic in yeah. saying all these things was just like in your current understanding, this can't happen. You've got to get better or you've got to accept that you're not going to get better. You're not going to become a superhuman. Therefore, you should give up. You're not the right oh. person to be in this situation. If it were to finish this sentence, if you are superhuman, then... You'd make everything better. Oh. You'd fix it so it doesn't happen again. And the everything better, what's that? Is Are we talking about what was happening in your home? Ending the conflict, yes. Mm-hmm. Ending the conflict and making myself be a better fit. Are you aware of that voice inside you still? Or are you just mostly bringing up memories of it? Memories. <laughs> there are tons of times it'll just kind of backdoor take over my mind somewhere. But... yeah. It's a lot better than where it was. Back then it would probably run through my mind like a chant or it would be ready to, to leap at every mistake. No, it doesn't. But that's why this part is kind of harder because there aren't words I can fight with anymore. So, so far we've learned that this inner critic originated in her childhood when she was in a household that was filled with conflict. And this inner critic would pressure her to try to fix it. It could see how much pain she was in. So it was like, well, you need to fix this. But because she couldn't fix it because she was just a child and these were adults with their conflicts, this inner critic really horribly criticized and shamed her. But then again, even as we're learning this about this inner critic, she ultimately says, well, no, I'm really just sharing memories. That's not really the problem in this case. And so our investigation continues. So in this next section, you'll hear me ask a couple of questions just to kind of pressure test then, like who is the culprit? What are we really dealing with here? 
But I think a part of you is really scared that if you were to go back to the way you used to be, you know, being productive, getting things done, etc., that you're going to burn out again. But it's also afraid to move forward to something new. Are you aware of what that part of you feels like inside of you or what it looks like? Just curious if you're noticing anything about that part. You know, I I don't really have that many memories of myself when I was very, very young. Mm-hmm. Under 10. But maybe because of the inner child work I do sometimes, I am getting an image of myself as a very little child, just crying at the absurdity of it all. And it's just very despairing. That's all. It's, it's like it's given up a little. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Can you, is that image clear? Can you draw that little girl, what you're seeing, just what you're noticing about her? Sure. It's, it's not how I looked when I was young, exactly, but it's a picture of little me with longer hair than I had, wearing jewelry mm-hmm. and crying. And the jewelry might seem odd, but I think it's, there because other people saw the jewelry. They didn't know I was crying. Right. They were focused on the outer appearances. Is she sitting, standing? Is she hunched over? I'm just sort of curious what she looks like in your mind. Sitting. Head on her knees. Sitting. Hugging herself. I'm very sad for her. I also feel a little helpless. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure how to help her. And most times, I can't reassure her that well. I wish she had a someone better to take care of her. About how old is she? Hmm. Let's take 10. Yeah, 10 feels like a big age, doesn't it? Finally going to the double digits. Uh, Yeah, right. (laughs) Becoming a big girl. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I was one of those children who was sad at every birthday. It's like, I don't want to be older. (laughs) Well, what did that mean? If you, you know, why was there a resistance to being older? not too sure but I think I kind of knew even then that adults aren't always happy the older I get the closer I get to to being like them interesting (laughs) such a harsh kid I mean well if if you are surrounded by unhappy adults I don't blame you for not wanting to be like like Being an adult looks awful. (laughs) I don't want that. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of (laughs) true.
So I just want to pause for a moment to point something out, and that is that, you know, right now we're sort of chuckling about this whole thing with birthdays, and I'm making light of the fact that, you know, well, of course you wouldn't want to grow older. I mean, you're seeing all of these miserable adults. You certainly don't want to become a miserable adult, too. So of course you'd hate birthdays. But what I didn't know at the time is there's a very particular reason why she hated her birthdays as opposed to just other days. And when we end up talking to the little girl inside her, we're going to find out exactly why that is. But right now, I'm more curious about what she means by conflicts. Up to now, she's been sort of general about what she experienced as a child. I really want to find out more specific memories or more specific examples of those conflicts that she witnessed and was a victim of at times in her childhood. When we talk about the things that were happening in your home, are, are there any specific experiences, memories, or what have you? I mean, we've talked generically about conflicts, but what was happening? What were some of the things, if, if you're okay sharing? If you don't mind, I won't share all of it. But for instance, it could be something as simple as, oh, we forgot to give one particular medicine today. And that could lead to a ruined evening. Because all evening there'd be accusations going back and forth. Um, we don't have enough in the budget to handle this. And that must mean you're irresponsible. No, you're a miser. No, you're a spendthrift. You, are, you don't care about this. And oh, you're doing this because that happened before. It's like this horrible Jenga stack in which... Any superficial argument just goes back to something that's intractable. A lot of the early inner critic words were eerily similar. And I picked up on that eventually. That, hey, a lot of this sounds like the stuff I heard or is in the same kind of tone or same kind of harshness. Yeah. And it, it made everything very intense, you know, because... Even if the little girl gets a compliment, like, oh, you're such a smart girl, you're so kind, you're, you're compassionate, you're mature, you're... On the one hand, it's lovely to get that affirmation. On the other hand, it's, but if I'm so smart and if I'm all these nice things, then why can't I fix it? So even though we weren't seeking this answer, we actually just solved a little mystery there. Did you hear it? That we found out where the voice of that inner critic came from. And it was very much the same voice as she heard from the adults in her household when she was a child. Inner critics are great mimics. They will often replicate the messages, the intensity, the beliefs, the energies of our caregivers when we were children. Consider the voice of your own inner critic or inner critics, because we often have more than one. Which ones of them are mimicking those messages, those tones of voice, those words? So at this point, now that we've learned a bit more about Sharu's inner world and the source of her struggles, it's time to invite this little girl to speak. So I invite Sarah to speak, and she agrees to speak with me. Sharu is awake and aware through the whole conversation. So I hear that you're sitting there, you're crying. What's going on, sweetheart? I don't know how to fix all of it. 
And I wish I could. I just wish I knew. Because I'm so tired of trying again and again. I don't have all the answers. No one seems interested in finding them. And they seem okay. They, they don't seem worried about these questions like I do. And I don't know why. That means something has to be fixed. And I should be happy, right? It isn't safe to be happy. Even if I can put up with all my sadness all by myself. It's stopping me from doing well in school, from doing things, from from making things better. It's stopping me from that. And that has to be fixed too. Don't know how. Really don't. It's not right. They seem okay with it though. I don't know how. I've tried, I've tried telling them how much it hurts. How much it hurts everyone. I said it was still the right thing to do. That the fight was the right thing, even then. They said that fighting was the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. And that was someone oh. else's fault. And how did that feel to have them respond that way to what you said? Scary. How come that felt scary to you, sweetie? If I said the wrong thing, they might shout at me. And then who would talk to them if I didn't? I mean, I'm hearing that you really tried. You really, really tried to get them to see and to get them to change so they wouldn't hurt you and they wouldn't hurt each other. Because you cared about them, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why you didn't want them to hurt. So you didn't want them to hurt each other. Yeah. No, they were good people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You could see their goodness. So many good things they did. They, they sacrificed so much. They cared so much. I didn't know what was happening inside their minds. I didn't know how to help. I thought I wouldn't want anything else the rest of my life. But that could be fixed. I was willing to go through everything to fix it. Do you remember at the beginning of our session when Sharu said that she just couldn't feel any emotions and that that was part of her struggle? Listen to the emotion that has come up now. Sarah is what I call a wounded. Woundeds are often inner children, but basically woundeds are the parts of us that feel powerless and helpless and hopeless and despairing or even angry and they need help or they want someone to fix it or else they've given up. They just don't see that there's any point. 
This is the part of Sharu that is carrying this inordinate sense of responsibility for not being able to fix the conflicts within her family. And she carries an immense amount of shame as a result that something was wrong with her because she couldn't fix their issues. This poor little girl is carrying so much on her shoulders, far more than any child should ever have to bear for things she could never, ever control. You might consider if as a child you maybe unconsciously or consciously did some of the same thing as you saw the adults around you in their struggles, their pain, their addictions, their abusive behaviors, etc. And did parts of you form that wanted to change that for them and that might also still be acting up in some way unconsciously within you just like they're acting up within Sharu. What did you think could happen if you were able to fix it? I could discover how nice life could be. Oh, yeah. We could find things to do together. You could have things just be happy without also being difficult. We could make something of the time we had. Oh. Life is so short. Yeah, why waste it yelling at each other? Why waste it arguing? We could be friends. We could be helping each other. That would be a birthday worth celebrating. If I knew that it wouldn't happen again. I'd throw the biggest party in the world. Have you had birthdays in which there was a lot of conflict? I have. It made me afraid of them. I didn't want them to happen. Because yeah. I knew something would go wrong. Oh, they would be trying so hard to be happy. And something would happen. We'd all go to bed upset. Sometimes it wasn't even each other. We'd be getting mad at something out there. I can't control the world. <laughs> yeah, did it sometimes feel like they would just, they'd have these big rows or these big disagreements, but then go out in the world and act like, oh, everything's fine. Nothing's wrong. Yeah. What was that like for you to watch them do that? How did that feel? Dishonest. Felt like we were lying. I was a little scared. What if it came out? Oh. Wasn't it wrong? It, it felt guilty. Yeah. Didn't we have more important things to do? Shouldn't we put all our time and effort into fixing this? I don't like this world where I have to lie so much. Why do I have to lie with you? 
Yes. And why do I have to lie with you? Why should I have to pretend like you're all pretending? Why can't I tell the truth? I can do it now. <laughs> do you want to tell the truth? Oh, I am. Did that just give you goosebumps too? This little girl inside of Sharu is saying, oh, I am. I am telling the truth now. Inner children can be some of our most powerful truth tellers because they're the ones that often carry the pain of having had to keep secrets or having had to lie about realities in the world around them or having had to hide their feelings. That child needs to feel like it can safely express itself and it can be truthful in that. So the fact that Sarah finally gets to speak her truth without fear of repercussions is huge. And you can hear the power in that moment when she says, oh, I am. Oof, love it. You might consider what secrets your inner children have felt forced to hide and what truths they need to tell in order to heal. So let's hear now how Sarah feels being able to speak her truths. And let's listen as she reckons with the fact that she could never change or control the adults around her. She could never fix their conflicts and make them happy. So how does this feel for you now, Sarah, to be telling the truth about, was, about what was actually happening? It's a little scary. My mind is, mm. you know, with all these ideas of how it could go wrong tomorrow. Oh. It's also reminding me that I'm going to do it for a long time. It feels brave. Yeah. It is very brave, Sarah, for you to be speaking the truth, especially considering basically everyone around you is not saying the truth. But you know what? You're the brave one. You're telling the truth, even though it's scary. It was really frustrating to be trying to say, hey, don't you get it? Don't you get that this is not okay? And they'd say, no, well, no, this is just what we do, or no, I have to speak this way. And you're like, but that's not true. No, you don't. But they didn't want to see it that way. They didn't. They, they couldn't. I could see it in their eyes, but they couldn't. They just couldn't see uh. another point of view. Sounds like that's really painful for you, too, to know that, that they just couldn't. Why is that painful? Because they were hurting so much. They couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> no matter how articulate or good I got, it didn't matter. I wanted them to have peace of mind. To have peace of mind. Not be so wounded. Yeah. They did the best they could with what they knew. Yeah. You know what it also says to me? It tells me how incredibly wise and loving and powerful you are. 
Sarah, that you could see so clearly, even when they couldn't, you could see. You could see. It was obvious to you. It wasn't obvious to them, but it was obvious to you, which tells me a lot about how very wise and observant and loving you are. And also, Sarah, I have to say, I'm so impressed that you worked so hard to talk to them, as scary as that was, and that must have been terrifying. But you still tried, you tried to get through to them. That takes such incredible courage. It's not your fault that they didn't get it. <clears throat> At least you tried. Really think it was incredibly efficient work. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, I really do. I really do. And here's the thing, and this is really hard, but it's the truth. You know, no matter how hard we try and how much we wish we could make people be different, it's still up to them whether or not they do change. If they, if they don't want to see for whatever their reasons, there's nothing you can do. And it's so painful, especially when you really care about that person. How did you realize that about people? <laughs> because I burned out and practically killed myself trying. <laughs> and I finally had to, I had to start taking care of me. You know, I had to start taking care of me and start focusing on myself and realizing, and this is what I finally realized, that you know what, by healing myself, I was in a better position to help and heal others from a healthy place, not from a place of trying to fix them or save them, but from being able to sit and be present with them wherever they were. And you can be happy, but not by trying so hard to make others happy. By doing what feels good and right for you so that you can feel happy. And by you being happy, you'll shine your beautiful light into the world brighter than ever. And by doing that, you become that beacon for others just by being you. You inspire others to find that light in themselves. That's how you can help others be happy. You aren't responsible for others' happiness. You're only responsible for your own. And other people, they are responsible for their happiness. That's their job. It's not yours. That's why you couldn't do it, because it was never your job. I was doing it because I cared, right? Like you said. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, because you care. You care so much. 
And also, I think, because you believed that, well, if they could just be happy, then I could be happy. And they wouldn't fight on my birthday. You'd start actually having a good time on my birthday. Because that's what we should be doing. You're 100% right. <laughs> yeah. Should have conflict should be banned at my birthday. <laughs> yes. Like, give me a break, people, right? Don't you, don't you feel like you want to say that sometimes, Sarah? Like, give me a break, people. Come on. It's my birthday. <laughs> Get over yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Let's do it. Go for it, Sarah. What, what do you want to say? What would you say to them? You're supposed <laughs> to be adults. You're the smart ones. What is this? Right. <laughs> You're acting like babies. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're better than this. I've, I've seen you be smarter. I've seen you be more loving. I've, <laughs> I've seen you be so great. Why do this? What happens to you all of a sudden? It's like a switch goes off and you can't control yourself anymore. It doesn't help you. You aren't happy anymore. <laughs> And you drag me into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then you drag me into it. Jeez. You say I'm not supposed to be involved, but that's a joke. I'm always involved. <laughs> Who are you kidding? <laughs> Yourselves. <laughs> yeah. You're pretending that what you're doing doesn't affect me or... Or anyone else, or that you can carry on. You, you're lying. Yeah, it's not true. You're not making sense to yourself anymore, and you're, you, you're acting like it makes sense, and you're doing it very loudly, but that doesn't make it true. <laughs> I love that. You're doing it very loudly, but that doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> Just because you're yelling doesn't mean you're right. <laughs> yes. It's, it's what Calvin and Hobbes do in their comics. Calvin said that if you can't win by reason, go for volume. You're not Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> and Calvin is a child. He's right? Calvin's old. not an adult. <laughs> He's a six-year-old. <laughs> he has an imaginary tiger, and you're you're imagining all these things <laughs> that are and real. An imaginary animal friend. Come on, people. <laughs> you're just pretending to be adults. That's what. Uh -huh. You're in costumes. All of you. You're just like play acting. It's like cosplaying adults. Yes. <laughs> just little kids in big bodies. Yeah. It isn't what you read in the books. It isn't what the teachers teach. It isn't what you teach me. <laughs> I don't know why you are like this. Why can't we do the therapy or, or do whatever would help and really help? Not just pretend to help. You should listen to everything I couldn't say. 
when a child has had to suppress their feelings and not been allowed to fully express for fear of any number of things, it's really important to give them that opportunity to fully express it without fear, shame, judgment, anything. And so this is all I'm doing here with Sarah is saying, okay, go for it, say it. But what's fun about this is that she ends up laughing at the whole situation, which is a complete 180 from how she'd seen it before. And also, if you listen to part two of Leanna's session, you might remember that she mentions Dennis the Menace. I just think that's kind of funny that here, Shadow mentions Calvin and Hobbes and how they both use comic strips as a way of illustrating and putting words to how they're feeling. In this next section, listen to how Sarah describes how she feels now, now that she's been able to laugh about the whole situation. And you'll actually probably hear in my voice quite a bit of surprise because I'm like, huh? But it's really, really sweet, no pun intended, why she chooses to describe her feeling that way. So how does it feel to say all of these things? Like a cake. Like a cake? Yeah. It's like there's... Explain. It's like there's a lot in it, but it's also kind of light oh. at the same time. Like a cake that rises in the oven. Ah. There's a lot of serious ingredients in there, but it doesn't feel heavy. It's fluffy. Oh, good, good don't remember feeling this way before. Like I could laugh about it all in a, in an honest way. I mean, it's, it's one thing to laugh at it, to be cynical or just to put up with it or, or just because there's nothing else you can do. But it's different to laugh about it and mean it. But I didn't think it was possible to do that. And to feel better after doing it. it. It used to be so intense before. Yeah. Thank you. For giving me Aww. company. Oh, you're so welcome, sweetheart. Happy to. You're a sweetie. I very much have enjoyed talking to you. I just really appreciate that you did talk to me. I wanted that for a long time. So I would always value it. If, if someone offered and you offered and you were there, and that means a lot to me. I'll miss you. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Take care of yourself, Emily. Thank you, I will, you too. So now that we're done speaking to Sarah, let's go back to speaking with Sharu and see how she feels now. So how are you feeling? Um, a little shocked. <laughs> it's like I'm trying to believe that that happened, that it was mm. honest and real and whole 
and I was present for all of it. And there's a separate feeling of 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 happiness. They're not connected, but they're both there. Oh. So it's a bit weird having two different feelings at the same time. So surprise, nice. surprise, and and happiness. Didn't expect to cry so much either. Haven't done that in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't expect to find a way to laugh at all of that. Good. Yeah. What came up was joy. Like oh. a very, very childlike kind of joy. I didn't expect to find it, but it was there. And to be validated so much, to be told that my truth was truth. Uh, those were amazing. They're very powerful. So I'm curious, what does Sarah look like now? No, I think, I think she left the room. And ah! <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs> She was sitting against the wall before. And okay. feels like she found some toys and she went outside to play. Oh. So do you see her now? I mean, could you draw her as she appears now? Yeah, I think she's in that happy scene I used to draw when I was a kid. This is a very funny cartoon of her jumping, <laughs> and my drawing skills are very basic. Hmm. I think I'm done. So, what have you got there? Well, she's jumping and waving at something that looks like a squirrel sitting under a tree. <laughs> There's just a squirrel, and she's waving at it. <laughs> Excellent. And how's she feeling? Okay. She isn't worrying about anything before or anything after. She's just super there. That's so nice. So now that Sarah is feeling more free and just randomly waving at a squirrel, I then guide Sharu through a short script that helps Sarah feel valued and appreciated. Here's how Sarah responds. How did she respond to hearing that? She laughed. And she said, don't call me a baby. <laughs> oh! <laughs> awesome. <laughs> She's got some moxie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just happy it all comes out. (laughs) So now the question is, how can Sarah 
serve and support and play a role in Charu's life going forward. And wow, Sarah has some absolutely amazing wisdom. It's really quite wonderful the wisdom that these inner children have for us once they're free of their pain. She's quietly looking at me. What's the look about? I think she's trying to decide if she should leave me. Well, she thinks that, like those adults around me, I have problems I don't understand either. But she's hoping I'll handle them better, and she can see that I am. Does she want to play a role in helping you to handle them better? Yeah, she wants to be close to me. Aha, uh -huh. perfect. And I do it. Are you good with that? You want her to keep playing a role in your life? Yes. She's, she's family. Oh, good. I just want her to be happy. Don't want to fail her. I want to be in touch with myself. I don't want to constantly not know myself because in a world that's that's changing so much, I'm my own center. Because if I can be present for myself, something I was having real trouble with, then I can face the challenges I have. Without that, I'm just pretending. I don't want to hide by blocking my feelings. Because I think, yeah, I think a lot of us hide from that. We feel we have to be something. Something that we're not. Just, just to exist in this world. Mm. It's like we all need permission to be good. And if we don't get the conditions to be that, I'd love it if, if I could give them the presence to be that for a while. If they could just naturally drop into that when they're in my company, they can feel inspired later. And, oh, wow, we felt so good then. I mean, wouldn't that be so cool if, if everyone could feel that way? The world would be a better place. <laughs> Like to say what kind of presence you want to be and how you want to feel. Does she hear that? <laughs> She's sitting on the ground, <laughs> cross-legged, looking at the sky, thinking about it. Oh, <laughs> how's she feeling about it? Is she liking the idea of being a part of you, being this presence and feeling this way? She wants me to take care of myself. She doesn't want me to be a light to other people while burning myself out. But she thinks if I do that, then she'll burn out too. Uh -huh. That light is her light too. Mm -hmm. Nice. Good. This is some great wisdom she's given you, honey. Would you agree? <laughs> it is. Yeah. It really is. Somewhere, it's, somewhere I'm determined to think of it like a zero-sum game. That I have to dim myself if I have to brighten others and to think instead that I have to light myself first to do that it's it 
just a little surprising. I maybe I need an analogy or something, an image. Maybe Sarah is the best image. Sarah herself. Oh. Okay. Because I can accept that for children, if if they are happy, they make everyone around them happy, and it's like an invisible power they have oh. it just happens but it happens when they're taken care of when they smile everyone wants to be their best selves for them you don't do that by telling the baby to smile hard for everyone <laughs> excellent yes right so she so sarah is a symbol of this power of this radiance, this effortless radiance for you. So she... This magic. This magic, yes. How does she feel about being that for you? She's just saying, don't... Don't put me on a pedestal and get away from me. Don't don't make me this abstract concept in your head. Some some formula or some rule or just this this process or this mechanical thing to do oh i'm very very human be connected even though it scares you oh wow how do you feel about that kind of blown away (laughs) yeah that's so powerful it's like she knows things and I don't know how. Yep. She sure does. And she's saying to feel. She's saying that this this connection between us is is a place of magic. And I should take it as magic. I shouldn't I shouldn't try to analyze it. And she knows that's hard for me. But she's telling me it's true anyway. And she's asking me to find out how I can guide her to stay mm. until I know her better. So that this doesn't become a one-off thing. Uh-huh. I have to feel this magic and have it there every day for some time. Even if it means pulling out my old magic kit. Really? I loved magic when I was a kid. Yeah. That's why you heard the word so much. (laughs) I love it. There's another idea that's, that's coming to mind. I think there's... There's a piece of jewelry I can get. And I'll try to get something that's meaningful to her too. I think it's important that she choose the jewelry this time. Earlier the jewelry was was to hide. It was what what other people felt she should wear. To turn that around to to choose for herself. Like something custom made, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, a nice pendant or something. Yeah. I, I would love that so much. Yeah. And I've always loved loved uh, stars on a background of purple. I should look something like that, or 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 get something like that made. That would be really special. That would be 
amazing. And kind of like Sarah, it's the secret fuel source I have for me. Yes. And it won't run out. It can't run out. Not that way. <laughs> Charu said, she doesn't want me to be a light to other people while burning myself out. This is why Charu has gotten so blocked because this inner child was carrying so much pain from trying so hard to be that light, to affect that change, to heal the people around her that she burned out. Such beautiful wisdom. Stop trying to be a light to others while burning yourself out. And I recommend, if I may, that you take that with you too. If you find that you're trying so hard to be a light to everyone else, but meanwhile you're suffering or you're burning out, you might be trying too hard to be that light for others rather than being the light yourself and inspiring others to find their own light within them. Also, another beautiful tidbit. Did you notice how everything's come full circle with jewelry? The Sarah that she drew in the beginning was wearing jewelry, but that jewelry was oppressive. That jewelry was a distraction that people didn't see her. They saw the jewelry. And now Sarah and Sharu have reclaimed what that jewelry can mean for them, that it's a reminder of their connection and their light and their own power. How gorgeous is that? So now it's time for Charu to do a final drawing. And here's what she draws. I actually started drawing before you were speaking. I was drawing stars on that purple background I talked about. And I was thinking about how to, how to design that piece of jewelry, maybe. Or, or just imagine a sky like that. Uh-huh. I think I got it. Yeah, what you got there? Hmm, got the heart-shaped pendant. Okay. It's like a double. There's a big one with a small heart on top of it. Oh. That's right. Like holding a little piece of magic in my hand. It represents that the connection is there. Mm-hmm. And doesn't need to be hidden. She'd be very proud of me for wearing something out there that that speaks to something so close to my heart. I understand her better now. And I want her to be happy. Just just for her own sake, not because of, of what I need for productivity or whatever. <laughs> That can handle itself. Remembering your sweetness and innocence and joy. Those things are sacred. I don't need to go crazy looking for answers when they're already there. Yes. Or they always have been. And they always will be. Thank you so much. You are so, so 
so welcome. Your sweetness, your innocence, your joy, they are sacred. And when we deny those, consciously or unconsciously within us, that's a recipe for burnout. When I work with high achievers, this is so often what I see. When we allow the inner child inside us to heal, that is when we discover wisdom, freedom, joy, light, creativity, fun, playfulness, all those wonderful sparkly traits and parts of our personality that maybe we thought were gone for good, but they never are. They never are. They're just stuck somewhere in struggle, just like they were for Sharu. About 10 days after our session, I caught up with Charu about how she felt since we went through that experience. She said actually it had been a roller coaster. She'd had quite a few ups and downs. She felt very pleasant the first few days after and very present, like a whole new presence inside of herself. Like she had a second awareness and it was kind of awkward for a while because she said every time I went into any kind of dysfunctional behavior, I would notice immediately and feel uncomfortable and say, hey, wait a, wait a minute, what am I doing? She said, that was very interesting. She suspected that the block had been damming up a lot of other emotions because a lot came up after our session. Anger, sadness, sense of betrayal, some very uncomfortable emotions. And she said that normally her tendency would be to isolate herself. But this time, she did not fully isolate herself. She reached out to friends. She let them know she was going through something and that she might not respond for a while. And she said that those friends were there for her. This intense period of emotion lasted for about two days. But then, after that, it turned into this sense of lightness, like a safe sort of feeling high. And she realized that those strong emotions had created that block in the first place because they weren't responded to. She said, I want to continue my healing in a way without having to dam up all of that intensity. So she started drawing her feelings instead of just writing them. And here's something else she realized, that Sarah was the name of her first doll it's so fun when the names that come up that these parts have actually have a deeper meaning that the person doesn't even realize at the time. I asked her how she's feeling overall now and she says, I feel okay. I feel balanced. I'm not trying to run away. I feel here. And that is my hope for all of us that we can all feel more present, that we don't run away from our feelings, that we don't run away from our pain because there's wisdom in those parts of us that carry that pain. We heard that with Sarah. And that's what this is about, for us to reconnect with all of the parts that have fallen into darkness because they felt unsafe or because they believe that we were unsafe. Bring them back to the light, to safety, to wholeness, to connection, to freedom. I'm excited for Charu, and I wish the same for you. You can see the drawings from this session at darklighttruth.com.
If you enjoy Dark Like Truth, please give us a review and share about us on social media. We would love this support and it helps us have a bigger impact. If you want to learn how to draw out your own inner struggles, take our free 45-minute course at community.changelight.world. If you're interested in private sessions of the drawing out process with me, go to changelight.world forward slash coaching. If you'd like to receive training in the drawing out process, please contact me directly at emily at changelight.world. The drawing out process is not therapy, and I am not a licensed therapist. I developed this work myself, and I am its exclusive owner and guide. Whether you are a seeker or practitioner, please respect that this is my proprietary work and it must be properly led in order for it to be fully effective. Do not try to do this process on your own. Thanks. I said it before, but you are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So are you. So are you. Truly amazing.